Well, I want to say good morning to you once again, and I'm glad you've joined us today. If you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. I pray that you're uh, ready and and willing to listen to what God has for us this morning. I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. And while you're turning there, uh, I want to start our minds into thinking about what God has for us today. And, and I want to preach to you God's Word, and we're going to walk through this passage in a little bit, but I believe it's important for us to have some, some ideas, some, some thoughts in our mind that, that kind of trigger maybe what God is trying to teach us today. So I want to introduce you to one of my closest friends, and I'm going to ask Emma to come help me. This is, this is my therapy dog. This is, this is Copper. Hi, Copper. Copper. Look, Copper. Hi, buddy. Hi. Hi there, bud. How are you? Look at you. You're on stage. You're out here with everybody. <laughs> we were wondering how this would work. See, Copper gets pretty excited when we, when we come home. How many of you have dogs that get excited when you come home? Anybody? A couple of you. Okay. I'm talking to you then, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Copper, Copper uh, he's trying to figure this out. We maybe should have brought him a little bit earlier. Can you sit? Good boy. Good boy. Yeah, good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy, aren't you? You're a good boy. Did you know that when we talk to dogs, there's times when, and, and I know there's probably some dog trainers in here that would argue with me, and, and I'm not trying to prove a point about dog training, I'm trying to prove a point about something else. So just bear with me, okay? If you're a dog trainer, just kind of ignore what I'm about to say. But um, sometimes I wonder if dogs know English. Sit. Sit, boy. Sit. Good boy. Yeah. See? Yeah, good. Yeah, good boy. Good boy. You get those for me. So, so Copper, Copper, we haven't had to work a whole lot with Copper. He's pretty good. Uh, he understands, you know, that, well, his role. <laughs> uh, and so he's pretty good. But you see, when we get excited and things with dogs, we can, we can train them and we can give them commands and they'll obey and they'll follow along with us and they'll do what we say. But did you know that they also respond to our tone? They respond to our tone more than they respond to our words sometimes. You could say, Copper, you want a treat? You want a treat? Look at that tail. Go. You want a treat, buddy? You're a good dog. You're a good dog. Yeah, you want a treat? Sit. 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 Good boy. Good boy. And see, he responds to, uh, to our tone, and he can listen to us. Copper, Copper, you want to go for a walk? Copper, you excited? You want to go for a walk? You want a treat? Yeah, he wants a treat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have another one right now, buddy. Yeah. So he can get excited. He gets excited when we come home. He, he, he doesn't always know where we're going. And you see, he's, he's still kind of wondering what's going on. No, no, come here. But you can also say things to dogs like, hey, Copper, Copper, don't you dare get in that trash again or I'm going to punch you in the throat. Yeah, you're a good dog. Yes, you, you're such a bad dog. You're such a bad dog. But he gets so excited because he loves me. You know, he's, he's just really good about Hey, come here. You see, come here, Copper. Look, look. Can you sit? Yeah, he just wants a treat now. Yeah. But see, Copper, Copper, just like any dog, you can take him now. Would you give Copper a hand? This is his first public appearance. Yeah. <laughs> you see, we talk to dogs and we can, we can command them. We can use... English words, and we think they understand us, and yet they know our tone. They know our, they, they can sense how we're feeling. 
When we're scared, they can sense that. And I remember taking our other dog into the vet, and when they're scared, they, they sense that too, and they can come close to us. But there's times when, when our tone doesn't always match our motive. You know, as I shared just briefly, you know, you could, you could really get on to your dog, but if you do it in a happy tone, they think you love them. They think you really care for them, but you're telling them you're going to do some evil things to them, you know? And they just don't get it, but the tone doesn't always reflect our motive. Sometimes when we say certain things, we don't fully get the, the full picture of things because we don't always understand the motive. We hear the tone, but we don't understand the motive. So today, I want us to talk about a very serious question that Jesus asks his disciples. And I want you to know today that if you're a follower of Christ, you are one of his disciples. Amen? If you are a follower of Christ, you're one of his disciples. And the Bible tells us that as his disciples, we will know his voice and we will follow him. You know, we didn't do this this morning, but I can go home and, and Copper can be out in the yard and as soon as I yell to him, he will come running to me. He knows my voice and he follows me. In fact, you know, we had him on a leash today, but we'll go on walks around our neighborhood and I don't have to put the leash on him because as soon as I say something to him, he's right there with me. He knows my voice. He follows me. You know, and I think God wants the same thing from us, but sometimes we judge, we judge his motive without really understanding his tone or vice versa. And so this morning, I want us to read God's word, and I want us to understand really what God is trying to tell us this morning. So in John chapter 6 is where we're going to start, and then I want us to, to kind of go backwards and look at some things as well. But follow along with me as I read from John chapter 6. We're going to begin reading with verse number 60. Verse number 60. The subtitle of this section in my Bible says, Many disciples desert Jesus. Verse 60. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. I want us to unpack this scripture a little bit. These, these nine verses really kind of summarize what Jesus has been teaching us over the last few verses in this chapter. And thankfully, we've been in this series of Crosspoint series. We've been in John chapter 6 a couple of times. And so we've picked up some of this, but I want to remind you of what Jesus has been sharing with them. And the good thing about the reminder is that we can look back on his teachings that we've already talked about and realize that hindsight is 20-20. Hindsight is 2020. 
And so I want us to keep that in mind as we're thinking about what is God's motivation? What is his motive? What is his motive and his tone as he's trying to teach us this morning? You see, the disciples asked the question in verse 60 after hearing all that Jesus has been teaching and saying, and they, they asked this question, who can accept this hard teaching? One thing we need to remember about this part where we pick up today is that Jesus has been teaching in a long segment here, okay? He's been teaching many hard truths and hard lessons leading up to this point. And one of his disciples, one of his followers asks the question, how can anyone accept this hard teaching? You see, from verses 25 to 59, Jesus has continued to be teaching what's going on. This has been a long discussion, even some argument, even some debate going on about what Jesus is teaching them. He's really overwhelmed the disciples with the content. I know that stu students went back to school. Many of them went back to school this week, and I remember hearing a few reports of what's gone on. And they, some, some reports I heard were, Man, we have to sit in that class a long time. I just kind of get zoned out because there's just so much going on. And at some point, I just need to stop and I turn it off. But have you ever felt that way? You just get overwhelmed with what's just flooding your life? You see, Jesus has been talking about so many different things in this passage. And the disciples are saying, wow, this is some hard stuff. And Jesus has given them a lot to think about. And see, what, what's happened throughout this, let me give you a little bit of context, okay, of who's following him at this point. We, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago when Jesus fed the 5,000 and he was teaching and there was a crowd around him and it was time to eat and his disciples said, who's going to go get food to feed all these people? You need to send them away. And Jesus said, you feed them. And, and you know the story, and Jesus does the miracle, and, and there's enough food for everybody, and there's 12 basketfuls left over. And we talked about how Jesus does things to kind of show that he is God, but he does things to meet our physical needs, and he does that. And then, then it goes on to talk about, and I, go read chapter 6. It's amazing, the, the story that's going on here. And Jesus gets, sends his disciples across, and he goes away to pray in a solitude place. And then we see the miracle of, of Jesus coming out there, and he walks on the water, and he walks past, or he's going to walk past him. And then we get to the, that side, and the people are looking for him. And then we pick it up in, in 25, and they find Jesus on the other side of the lake, and they asked him, how did you get here, Jesus? And then he gets into the depth of who he is. And Jesus answers them about being the bread of life. In verses 25 to 27, he says, I'm the bread of life. He says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because I fed you. You see, they remember they got a good meal the night before. And they wanted another one. We want more. The people, they want more from Jesus. Have you ever thought that when it comes to Jesus and our relationship with him, that maybe we're, we get greedy? We shouldn't be greedy as Christians, right? And yet, I wonder if there's times when we say, God, I just want more. I want more of you. Just, just keep giving me more. And, and these people were thirsty. They were hungry. And, and Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, and you're only coming to me because I fed you. But I have so much more for you. We want more. He teaches them to, to work for food that does not spoil, but to rather work for food that endures for eternal life. Food that is eternal. Hmm. 
I have some food in my house that seems eternal. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've got those canned goods that have sitting on the back of your pantry for 10, 20 years. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You're always going to have them. Who needs that can of green beans that long? I don't know. You know, eat them. Do something with them. We, have, we, we seek food that's eternal so that we'll never have to hunger anymore. And Jesus says, quit working for food that spoils. Come to me and I can give you food that is eternal. I am the bread of life. Believe in the one that's been sent from God. And see, Jesus in this teaching, this is his first introduction to them, to say, I am, I am God in the flesh. And he's trying to get them to see through plain language, I'm the bread of life. I can give you something that's eternal. Work for it to gain that. And, and they don't understand it. Their, their minds are kind of blown. What is this guy saying? We don't completely understand what he's saying. His words are, are, are just kind of different. I don't understand his motive. I don't understand his tone. I'm really confused. In verse 33, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus goes on to, to talk about, you know, they, they want a sign from, from God. And in verse 20, 28, if you move back a little bit, they want a sign because Jesus blows their mind with, I'm the bread of life, I'll give you food that's eternal. And then in, in verse 28, they say, well, give us a sign. You see, Moses, he gave manna to the people from heaven. And that was a sign from God. And, and they said, they give credit to Moses. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 you got it messed up. Moses didn't give the gift. God did. And they said, well, we want to do God's works. So then they, they just keep changing the, changing the subject. They keep trying to get a different rationale to what's going on. They try to keep, try, try to keep figuring out what they want out of the passage, out of, out of the teaching. Well, if that wasn't a sign, if that wasn't, show us a sign. Or how can we do a sign like Moses did? Moses gave the food. How do we give a sign? And Jesus tells him again. He goes on to say in this, in this text, the only sign that God wants from you, or the only work that he wants from you, is for you to believe in the one who sent me. Man, wouldn't it be so easy if we could just take that for its word? Hmm. What's his tone? What's his motivation? You don't have to go and worry about all this other stuff. Just believe in the one who sent me. He says, that's the sign from God that you need. Believe in me. I came from heaven. I came from the God who gave Moses the manna. I'm here in front of you in the flesh. I am God in the flesh. What more sign do you need, people? Jesus goes on to say in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. He continues to make his claim. Something we need to figure out here is that Jesus is repeating himself. I don't believe Jesus repeats himself for his sake. I believe Jesus repeats himself for our sake. And he says it again, I am the bread of life. I am divine. You see, 
He says this because they understand what other gods were. You see, in this culture, there were so many other gods that people worshipped. They're little deities. They'd have little idols. They'd have little rituals that they would do. They would have all these little things that they would worship, that they would show their love for. And, and so they couldn't even fathom that there would be a living deity in front of them. Okay? You know, I'm so glad we live in a world that doesn't worship any idols. Amen? Jesus is in front of them. And he says, I'm divine. I am the deity that you need to worship. I am the one who has come from heaven. Believe in me. And he reminds them, if you've seen me, you know what the Father has seen. And you've still, you see me in front of you and you still don't believe. I wonder if there was a time when Jesus was talking to the disciples. And I don't know this. This is just helping me to understand his word, but maybe we were like copper. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm God. I'm God. I'm God in the flesh. Hey, hey, come here. Come here. Come follow me. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I want a treat. I want a treat. I'll follow you wherever. Yeah, I don't really get it, but okay, whatever you say. I wonder if Jesus had a tone where he's really trying to get our attention and say, hey, my motivation is real. I'm here for a purpose. I know this is hard to understand, but I am God in the flesh. And as he continues to confirm that to him, there's grumbling going on. The Bible says they were grumbling to one another. Grumbling. How many of you grumbled this week? Two of you. Good. Let me talk to you guys for a minute, okay? It's easy for us to get into that negative habit, isn't it? I don't really understand it. I don't really like it, so I'm just going to complain about it. And we grumble. I don't really get what you're saying, Jesus. I don't understand why you're making this such a big deal. You are God. Yeah, good deal. Whatever. I'll believe you. I'll follow you. But this doesn't really make sense. So they're grumbling. They're complaining. And Jesus tells them to stop grumbling. How many parents said that to their kids in one way or another this week? Nobody? I'm the only one? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, yes, thank you, thank you. Stop fighting, stop bickering, stop arguing. I'm telling you the truth. Pay attention to what I'm saying. <laughs> he says no one, in verse 44, no one can come to the Father, the one you say you believe in. Nobody can come to him except through me and those who are drawn by him. Again, there's doubts, there's grumblings, their struggles. Verse 51, he says, I'm the living bread. I've come down from heaven. I've come from God and I am God. And he goes on to talk about, you must eat, this, eat my flesh and drink my blood if you're really going to be my followers. Whew, there we get into some difficulty, don't we? Do you really mean we got to eat your flesh? Do you really mean we got to drink your blood? That's Crazy talk. What's his tone? What's his motivation? And yet, we can twist it any way we want. We can make it sound however we want it to sound. But Jesus is saying, if you really want to be my disciples, you got to do some things that seem crazy. you got to do some things that just seem backwards. 
I've come to give you life. I am God in the flesh, and I am leaving this world, and so you must eat my flesh and drink my blood and receive this sacrifice if you're really going to be my disciples. Wow, that is hard to swallow. Verse 52 to 58, Jesus answers them in this. It says, The Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, and how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. It's in here, guys. I'm not making it up. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that has come down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and they died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. There's another hard teaching. Going to live forever? I don't know anybody who's lived forever. I don't know anybody who's still alive that is going to live forever. I don't. Noah's dead. Moses is dead. Mary's dead. The disciples are dead. I mean... How do we live forever? This is weird. This is crazy. How can we follow all this this hard teaching? We're just mortals. (laughs) We're going to live. We're going to die. Why should we believe that we could live forever? To live forever seems impossible. And that brings us to where we're at in our text today. The disciples on hearing this said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? It got me to thinking about some of the other hard teachings of Jesus. What are some of these other hard teachings that Jesus has taught his disciples over the time with them that they probably just say, wow, that's, that's weird, but okay. What about this one? Love your neighbor as yourself, Mark 12, 31. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything that you have. Wow, then what do I have for me, God? How do I give you everything? That's the point. It's hard. That's the point. It's it's different. It's backwards. Then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whoa, hold on. Nope. Nope. They wear a mask or they don't wear a mask. Doesn't matter. They got the vaccine or they didn't get the vaccine, doesn't matter. How can I love them? I don't know where they stand on, on are, they, are they Democrat, are they Republican? I don't know. Do they like the, the decisions that have been made or do they don't? How, do, how can I love them if I disagree with them? It doesn't matter. Jesus says, I am God in the flesh. If you're my disciples, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, that's hard teaching. It says to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees in Luke chapter 12. What does that mean? I don't bake bread. How do I get the Pharisees' yeast? Is it better than than county markets? I don't get it. No, what he's telling us is beware of the, the things that we take in as truth when they're not true. Jesus, in, 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 the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. 
He corrects them. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees because their, their truth, lowercase t, their, their falseness will seep in and you'll start to believe it as truth and really it's not my word at all. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees because it'll infiltrate you. It'll change you. It's not Jesus' words. Wow, there's more. Do not worry in Matthew 6.25. How many of you would be honest today and raise your hand and say you've worried over the last year? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. But the Bible says do not worry. That's hard teaching. Do not worry. Matthew 6.25. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Well, we read that. We say, well, is this really literal? I'm going to worry. I'm human. Then we get to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles open and you can flip back a couple pages, I just want you to see what's in Matthew chapter 7. You talk about some hard teachings. Matthew chapter 7. The subtitles in my Bible, these are mostly red letters in chapter 7. All red letters, actually. Chapter 7, judging others. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Ask, seek, knock. Wow, what does that mean? Which of you, if your son asks for bread, gives him a stone? The narrow and the wide gates. True and false prophets. True and false disciples. Wow. The wise and the foolish builders. This was really brought up to my attention this week. The wise and the foolish builders. Get this. Both of them had the same information. Both of them had the same information to do something with it. And what did they do? They do. They did something different. They did something opposite. One built on the, the rock and one built on the sand. They had the same information. And yet they chose different paths. Man, how do we, how do we, how do we take these hard teachings? Here's some, here's some more. How do we take God's teaching and through Jesus on healing? Or the teaching that he says, hate your mother and father and brother and love God with everything. Boy, that's hard. Or store up treasures in heaven. Well, how do I get to heaven? How, is there, a, is there, a, is there a, a bus that takes me or a plane? How do I store up my treasures there and, and they'll be there waiting when I get there? You know, it it's just doesn't seem to make sense. It's hard teaching. Or turn the other cheek. If they take your shirt, give them your coat too. You see, when we're faced with the hard truth, capital T, from God's word, not what we think to be true, lower T, we have to answer Jesus' question of us. Verse 60, on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Jesus heard them say that. He heard them grumbling. And he asked them, he responds to them in verse 61. Here it is again. Does this offend you? Does this offend you? So my question to us is the same as Jesus is asking us. Are you offended by Jesus? Are you offended by Jesus? You see, what, what causes us to be offended? Some people get offended because they don't fully understand something. And they think their feelings get hurt and they, they get offended because they didn't really understand it. Some people, they get offended because their own agenda is not supported or verified. Well, if you're not going to do what I want, then I'm going to be offended. I'm going to be mad at you. 
Some people, they get offended because others are offended. Wow, there's a, there's a rising up. Let's just jump on board. They're offended. They must be righteous in that being offense, uh, offended, so I'm just going to join them. But do we get offended by what Jesus is teaching us? Jesus is explaining This is real stuff, folks. I'm trying to tell you that if you believe in me, if you put your hope in me, you put your trust in me, you turn from your selfish ways and you trust me with everything, I will give you eternal life. It doesn't make sense. If you follow me, it's not going to make sense. But you can live forever. Jesus is trying to tell them, Would you guys just get the picture here? Get it. I'm standing in front of you trying to tell you this. I love you so much. The only purpose I'm here for is because God the Father sent me to you to tell you that I am who I say that I am. I am going to die for you. I will be raised to new life again. Will you believe and live for me or not? This is not just a tone. This is not him trying to get us to do something silly. This is the truth of God's word. This is the truth. And the reality today is this. Jesus came and is for everyone. I know that's hard for us to swallow sometimes. But Jesus came for everyone. But here's the reality. Not everyone is for Jesus. Jesus is for everyone, but not everyone is for Jesus. In other words, Jesus came so that all could be saved. The Bible says, I came so that no one would perish, John 3.16. Jesus came for all, and there's no qualifications for salvation except that we all need it. Amen? Hold on a minute. We all need his salvation. We need it. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of his glory. Every single one of us need it. So Jesus came for everyone. And his teachings are hard. His teachings rub us the wrong way sometimes. How can that be? How is this really love? How is this what he wants us to do? And we get to choose Because not everyone is for Jesus. Verses 64 to 66 say this. Let me read it to you again. There are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Here's the reality, folks. You can apply this to the church. You can apply this to the world. You can apply this to anything that you put your heart and mind to for a moment. When people aren't happy, they leave. When people do not understand what's going on or they don't believe it, they go somewhere else. When people can't see the bigger picture, they tend to check out. But Jesus knew that was happening because he came for everyone, but not everyone is for him. 
So then he sees people desert him. There's a huge crowd. Just imagine this. Just picture it. There's a huge crowd following him. And he just gets done with this long, hard teaching again. And he says, nobody can come to the Father unless the Father enables him. That's grace, folks. God draws us to himself. He says, nobody can do it unless the Father enables him. And they leave him. Uh, I came here to follow you, Jesus. God didn't send me. I crossed that lake to get here. God didn't send me. I'm doing all this because I want to. God didn't tell me to do it. I don't know about this, Jesus. You've kind of drawn a line in the sand, and I can't cross that line. I'm out. And they leave. And then Jesus, (laughs) he knew some of them were going to leave, but he turns to his 12, his 12 closest followers, his disciples, his friends. And I can just imagine he looked them each in the eye and said, are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave too? You see, and I think it's easy for us to kind of skip over that question. As we read this whole, this whole content of, of information and teaching, it's easy for us to see that question that Jesus gives his disciples and skip it. But I believe that that's a very serious question. And when Jesus asks you a very serious question, it requires a very serious answer. You don't want to leave too, do you? You don't want to leave too. You see, this isn't just some casual question. He's not just asking his disciples, hey, let's go down to that little shop on the other side of the lake, grab, grab something to drink, and we'll just talk about these teachings a little bit more. We'll argue theology. We'll talk about our beliefs. Well, I believe this part, but I don't really believe this part. I'm going to practice this part, but I really am not going to. And Jesus wasn't saying that. He wasn't encouraging them to go argue theology with him. He was saying, this is the way. You don't want to leave too, do you? Very serious question, and it requires a very serious answer. You see, just because we may understand in our heads, in our minds, we've heard the stories from the Word of God. We, we watch and we th- see things secondhand, and we try to process all that's happening. We even come to church and we hear messages by a pastor who studies the Word and gets in the Word and tries to dig it out for all of us to, to better apply and understand. You see, the disciples, they had done all of this, and yet there was still more. Their response to Jesus speaks to what I believe Jesus wants us all to realize today. Verses 68 and 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow. You see, this to me speaks to the personal relationship that answers the serious question. The disciples weren't saying, no, we'll stick around a little bit longer. You tend to really do some, do some cool magic tricks. You have some really fun stories. I mean, yeah, we'll stay around for a little bit. No, that's not what they were answering. They were saying, we're committed, Jesus. We're all in. This isn't in your outline. You might want to jot this down, but the disciples' response was a response of commitment said, we are committed to make this relationship a daily decision. 
a daily decision. Did you know to be a follower of Christ that you have to die out daily, the Bible says? Well, I did it once. Why can't I just be done? Because every day you're given a choice to live for self. Every day we can be tempted to do things our own way. But the disciples said, no, Jesus, where would we go? We're committed to a daily decision. They were committed to make this relationship a daily determination. Nobody in here, I know nobody in here has ever had a bad day. But if you ever have a bad day, here's something that you can do to kind of be determined to get through it. Commit to follow Christ. Commit to surrender that day to Jesus. Commit to daily be determined that no matter what comes, no matter what happens, I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to do my best to practice what he's teaching me. I'm going to be determined not to let my faith stumble. And I believe the disciples were saying to Jesus, we know you're the Holy One, so we're committed to daily determination to follow you. If we make a daily decision, we make daily determination and we're determined to do it daily, then finally they were committed to make this relationship a daily discipline. A daily discipline. Pastor, I don't have time to do that. I'm thankful that Jesus saved me, but I don't have time. I can be determined and I'm going to make a choice to follow him, but I don't have time to, to really figure out what these teachings mean. I'm sorry, because I'm going to tell you this, and this might be hard to swallow too. You can't just come to church once a week and expect your discipline for following Jesus to hold out during the week when those bad days come. You've got to be in his word. You've got to be praying. You've got to be worshiping him. You've got to be giving him your everything. Why? Because as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, you're making a commitment that says daily, I will follow. Daily, I'm determined to keep going. And daily, I will discipline myself to do these things to grow closer to you. Daily. Folks, I'm not trying to be legalistic today. In a world that is falling apart, I'm not trying to be political. Those of you that know me know that I don't want anything more to, that I don't want anything less than to come and use this as a political platform. That is not what God intended it for. But here's the thing, if we're going to get through this evil world, we've got to commit to daily discipline with the one who's got the answers. God's gift of salvation, you've heard this said before, but it bears repeating today. God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ is free to everyone and every person out there. You know what? That's really scary, but I think it's so amazing about God's love that every one of those members of the Taliban, Jesus died for. Every politician that is crooked and corrupt and living in sin, Jesus died for. And he says, I offer you this free gift of salvation. Come and accept this free gift, but here's the catch. Mm, when you accept it, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to be hard. You know, we think that when we become Christians and we say that prayer that our life's going to become easy and we're going to experience all these mountaintop experiences. But in reality, when we accept to follow Christ, 
He invites us into a relationship of suffering. That's tough to swallow. Yeah, there'll be blessing. Yeah, there'll be a reward. Yeah, there's going to be a treat at the end. But his motivation is eternal. His motivation is eternal. So my closing challenge for us today is this. What is your response to Jesus' question? There are times when we're presented with God's truth and it doesn't make sense. There are times when we're presented with God's love and we don't know how to accept it. There are times when we're faced with a question of decision, but we must give a serious answer. Are you going to stay and learn and believe and trust? Or are you going to leave with the others too? Jesus came and died for everyone. I'm going to ask Matt and the musicians to come back. Jesus came and died for everyone, but not everyone will choose to live for Jesus. So today, I believe that God has given us this question to remind us that he's asking us a serious question. And when he asks us a serious question, it requires us to give a serious answer. What will you choose today? What will you choose today? Will you be one that leaves some of these teachings behind? Or will you be one that accepts and trusts that God has it all? We're going to sing a song of response. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as you're standing? Lord, as we sing this song, Lord, may it not be just a routine. May it not just be something that we go through the motions with. It's a song that we know. It's a song that we've sung before. But God, I trust that your Holy Spirit has spoken to our heart today. And if we sing these words, Lord, may we truly mean them. Would you open our hearts to be obedient, to have the courage to respond to you today. Let's sing together.